cheers for coming on again thank you very much for having me um, massive pleasure last time we obviously went through a lot of um, information so if anyone wants to sort of get a, a gauge of maybe what we might be touching on in this episode check out the previous podcast that's the best information I can give them it saves you going through it all again um, because it was three hours of powerful knowledge that I think a lot of people um, it would help them on their spiritual journey in some way or another whether it comes from uh, astral projecting um, and so forth would you agree I agree totally um, so we'll get the ball rolling straight away uh, talk to me about this image um, I don't even know what to call it so far away tell me about it let's go all right, well, the image that you're referring to is a design that a friend of mine, um, uh, Gabrielle Smith, a uh, designer, um, made for me. I wanted to use, uh, I wanted to make a map of the levels of consciousness, levels of awareness that Robert Monroe um, has introduced me to, well, us, the people that have gone to the Monroe Institute. And this is her rendition of the various focus levels um, within our universe. The image is actually a torus and it details from level one to six, which is the beginning, it's plants, level of plants. And it goes all the way through levels 43 to 49, which is the level of the high cells. Um, according to the Monroe map, which he received from a being um, called Miranon, the universe is made up of <coughs> seven levels within seven levels. And that gives us 49 levels of consciousness or awareness um, where we can actually explore. Our universe and every universe is designed the same way. It's made up of seven levels with seven levels. Um, Speaking of our universe levels one to six, as you can see in the map, in the, the drawing, one to six is level of plants. And when you say level of plants, we're talking about our single-celled organisms to begin with, um, the amoeba, the single cells that uh, form the body of plants. And it moves from levels one to six to level seven, which is a transition level between plants and the next level. Levels seven is a transition level. In other words, on level seven, you will find uh, beings that are, whose consciousness is that of a plant. And you will also find uh, beings who are ready to move on to the next level, which is the animal level. So, a being on this level would be like part plant, part animal. Levels 8 to 13 is the animal level. And 8 to 13, all our animals, um, 
the wild animals, beginning with the wild animals, the wolves, the you know, lions, jaguars, that kind of, those type of animals. And closer to level 13, you have our domesticated animals, which are, you know, your, your, your cats, your dogs, and, and what have you. The animals that spend a lot of time in proximity to human beings. And those animals, um, they spend a lot of time in proximity to human beings because they receive the radiation of humans. Level 14 is a transition level between the level of the animal and the next level, which is the human level. And so you would find that a cat or a dog, yes, cats, dogs, and other animals who have spent a lot of time um, absorbing the radiation of human beings, they appear to be very human in their response sometimes because many of them, their souls have gotten to the point, a point of mass, um, critical mass, where they are actually beginning, their consciousness is beginning to transition from that of an animal to that of a human being. So for the plant, for the animal lovers out there, who, when you look at your dog or your cat, and you, you sense, you say there's something very human about this animal. It's not by accident. What you're feeling is not accident. It's not crazy. Um, many of them, after they spent a certain amount of time with human beings, their level of consciousness um, transitions. And they, for the very first time in their next incarnation, they're human. Humans like this, who have come from the lower levels of um, consciousness, are usually very animalistic, meaning you meet human beings who are very much controlled by their passions. Um, they're not interested in anything of the intellect. They're very, very grounded, per se, in the earth. Very animalistic. Um, not all human beings come up from the lower levels. Not all human beings were first plants and then animals and then eventually uh, became humans, but some do. Many do. A lot of plants, when you eat a plant, um, I'm talking about your broccoli and your, your edible plants, when you eat them, your consciousness melds and merges with the consciousness that is in whatever it is you eat. That energy is given off. You release that energy, you can't keep it. You give it off at the points of your hands, you give it off at the points of your feet, you give it off at the top of your head. And that energy radiates upward. It's alive, it's living, it is conscious, but not conscious the way you and I are conscious. Remember, it was the energy of a plant. Yeah. So it melds with other plant-like energies to form a larger conglomeration that can become an animal, if you understand what I'm saying. It groups. So plants merge. A lot of plants come together. They're, you know, a tree, one tree, another tree, they have fruits, and if it's an edible plant or what have you, you eat it, you transform it, you release the energy, that energy is not lost. It goes out. <clears throat> excuse me. It goes out into the spiritual. Um, it goes out into the universe. 
It's not lost, it's cohesive, it's conscious, and it melds, it follows its own evolutionary pattern, it melds with others, and it becomes something of a larger nature. So it moves from plants, it moves up to animals. Animals move from being animals to level 14, which is a transition level. And level 14, you have, um, like I said, humans. Um, levels 15 to 20, that's our experience right now. We are somewhere between levels 15 and 20. People who are non-intellectual, people who are earthy are closer to the lower levels. The reason that they're closer to the lower levels is because the higher up you go, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you begin to develop the intellectual ability to abstract. You begin to play with concepts of time and space and energy and to give these concepts form. When you're not able to do that, you are of, and I say low and higher, not, as, not in terms of, of greater or more advanced or anything like that, but in an evolutionary way. Um, when you're not able to do when you're not able to, to allow yourself to abstract, then you are very limited in what you are able to experience. Your experiences are going to come at a very, very gross level. Once you're able to abstract, you're able to think abstractly, now you're able to learn a little bit more about the levels above. I'm talking about levels 21, death, 22, all the way up to 49, those levels are absolutely, they're all intellect. They're all, it's, they're all mental levels. So the humans who are spending most of their times on earth playing with concepts and ideas and ideologies and what have you, they are learning how to think abstractly. Mm. Levels twenty is um, levels twenty is the point that you will you would um, progress to when you are a human being and you're getting ready to um, you feel the desire for more. There's something else in the universe. I'm not interested in being uh, a servant of God. I want to go find. I want to go see this God for myself. I want to go experience the universe for myself kind of thing. I want to know for myself. You don't have to tell me anything. Kind of, that's those who are on level 20. And eventually, they tip the scale, as it were, and they decide not to return. Levels 21 is the bridge or death. And they, like I said last time, there is a being called death. There's a being that performs that function. Um, he's a friend of mine, I have to say. <laughs> um, but um, he explained to me, and I'll, I'll share this with you. He showed me one day 
the true concept of um, human death, what it was like. He showed me what he did and how humans appreciate or how, how humans conceive of death. And uh, what he did was that I saw him coming towards me riding on the back of a horse, actually, on the back of a black horse. He wasn't coming for me. He was actually showing me what he does. This man was standing there, and he, death is coming towards him riding this horse. You couldn't see anyone on the back of the horse. You could see the rein of the horse being pulled. The reins were being pulled yeah. tight. But you couldn't see anyone on the back of the horse. Until he, he, he approached us, got right in, in, um, in front of the two of us, and again, you couldn't see anyone. You saw some the, the reins drop, and you heard someone drop off a horse. But you, again, you couldn't see anyone. He walked over, when he walked over to the gentleman, a uh, Caucasian guy, I had no idea who he was. But he walked over to the gentleman, and it was then that he gained form. And he was dressed in um, tattered robes. It's the only way I could describe it. He looked into the guy's eyes. And I was, I don't know why I did this, but I said, um, don't look into his eyes. Don't look into his eyes. But of course, that's a useless thing to tell somebody when they're about to die. <laughs> and the guy looked up and he looked into his eyes. And that just withdrew the energy through his eyes. He withdrew it into himself. And the guy just, his body just crumpled. Then Dead looked at me, smiled, and he walked over to um, a clearing, and as soon as he did, the clearing had a shallow grave. A sh this grave disappeared, a very shallow grave, with a tombstone in the back of it. He, it was about, let's say about three feet deep. He climbed into the grave, and he sat down with his back to the um, wall of the grave, you know, put his hand on the side like a throne, and the tombstone in the back of him. And I'm standing there, I started to laugh because the impression he was giving is that um, this is his um, his throne. The grave is his throne. He sat down and put both his hands on, on the side of it. And I also realized then that the idea of, of um, hell, what people call hell, is actually a shallow grave. Hell or Shoal actually is a shallow grave. It, the, the concept began when the um, when people long ago buried bodies in shallow graves only to have the bodies dug up by dogs and um, coyotes because the coyotes and the dogs would smell whether it's human blood or whatever. They would smell it and they would dig up and then have, you know, tear the body asunder and have parts all over the place. And that is where the concept of hell comes from. It has metamorphosed it has metamorphosed into, you know, this, you know, burning and destruction and all the rest of it. But that is where the concept comes from. And he was demonstrating that to me. Anyway, that's death.
uh, levels 22 is the level of um, it's amnesia. When you come into this life, you pass through level 22. It cuts back all of your memories of who and what you are, what you were before you come into this life. And when you're going back out, the same thing happens. You have amnesia for the earth. Um, many times I've been out of body traveling in the spiritual world and I've actually forgotten that I have a physical body lying on a bed, having fun, you know, doing whatever, and my body is on, bed, get, on the bed getting cold. Your body does get cold without, the, without you in it. Um, so I'm out there traveling, doing whatever, and it's getting cold. So then I would remember, I said, oh, 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 somebody would say, um, don't you need to go back to your body? Oh, yeah, 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 I need to go back. Wow, I've been out there for a while. Again, there is no time. So you could be out there for an hour, two hours, three hours. Psh, doesn't make a difference. But you have a physical body. If you're out there too long, you come back and you, your joints are stiff, you're cold, you you know. So that's amnesia. Levels uh, 20... Three to 26 are the belief system territories. Um, they're often called the mansions of the soul. When people die, that's where they go, level 23 to 26. They're in there somewhere. Level 27 is the, is the park. It's where the administration of the universe takes place. As far as we know, nobody remembers, nobody knows who created it. It cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed. You cannot modify the park in any way, shape, or form. Or, and the reason I'm saying this is because things in the spirit world are modifiable by thought. This is not, which makes, makes it quite unique. Um, we call it the park. You have the Akashic Records here. Uh, the place where you reincarnate, the department where you reincarnate is here. The place where people, you know, people like Adolf Hitler, Gacy, people who eat people, people who kill people, people who <laughs> murder people. There's a department for them. Their, their energy is usually gone when they, by the time they end up on the, on the spiritual plane. They have they look like they have holes in them. Every other being gives off light. They don't. And people usually stay away from them. Um, in the park, there's also a place nearby that is called the city of, what is it? I can't remember the name. I do not remember the name. It's cool. We all, we all get brain fog every now and then, so... The amount of information you're giving, we can we can let that one slide. It's all good. <laughs> all right, but it's where people that are actually uh, anti-human, anti-life, who didn't blend very well with the consciousness um, of the body, where they take them, and this is actually the the place. It's it's as close to the hell as you would get. Nobody beats you there, hurts you, or anything like that. But it's simply a place of healing. And nobody really talks about it, nor do people go there unless you have a good reason 
to go there. I discovered that I used to work there. So, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I know it quite well. Um, levels 36 to 42, this is where the high cells hang out. And they used to be on level 36. Prior to three years or so ago, uh, if you travel into the spiritual world and you went to level 36, you would find your high self. They have moved six levels to level 42, which means they're getting closer to level 49. Excuse me. And uh, when they get to levels... Uh, 43 to 49, by that time they would have withdrawn all of their incarnating personalities, just like the story of the Christ, him and the 12 disciples. The 12 disciples are not just random people. Each disciple is actually a facet, an aspect of the Christ. So if you think of um, Yahshua ben Joseph as being the Christ, then those 12 people were actually Yeshua in 12 different forms. And what he showed is that by, by going, oh, you follow me, you follow me, what he was really doing was with, withdrawing them, drawing them back to himself, taking them back into himself, just like I do when I travel OBE and meet a part of myself and withdraws that self from, let's say, the 13th century or my pistol packing preacher in 1780, whatever. <laughs> and take the. One. <laughs> <laughs> and take them back into yourself. Uh, levels 30, I miss levels 33 and 30, 33 to 35. Again, more of the withdrawal goes on. People who leave the earth for the last time and do not come back will first enter levels 33 or so. No, 29 to 32, then they eventually move on to 33, 34, 35, and eventually the, the higher levels eventually meld directly into your high self and you never incarnate ever again in this physical universe. My high self has kept me from, has shown me that I still have other parts of myself that are incarnating so even though I feel the pull to meld into my high self, which is it's extremely strong, they, they've let me know that the time for that is not quite yet. Um, levels 43 to 49, the high selves, they're no longer incarnating on earth. They are complete. Their knowledge is complete. Their knowledge is 360 degrees. And they are ready to leave the universe for the multiverse. They all blend, they meld into one. And as I said, they achieve critical mass and they're gone. Once they're gone, they're gone. They're not coming back. Anyone, if when we leave, should I choose to come back to this universe, I will be unable, I'll be so changed that I will be unable to speak to any being left back here. No communication has ever been possible with any being who has actually crossed over and come back. 
They've just given up even trying to communicate with anybody back here. They don't even bother doing it. But there, there are stories floating around of people, of beings who have tried to come back and explain what's out there. Psh, no communication is possible. It's like they speak a different language <laughs> entirely. So that's the, the map of the universe and basically what's going on. Is that um, that that basically? Because in your book, you write about the uh, fifty gates. Yeah, it's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Um, so well, also, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Carry on uh, if if was you going to make well, a point. <clears throat> yeah, I was just going to say that the the fifty gates is just the, the 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 Kabbalah, the Kabbalah, the Christian Bible, the Gnostics. Um, they all talk about this stuff, but in very veiled and poetic ways so that people don't see exactly what it is. This is the unvarnished ver version. This is it as it is. Mm. The Kabbalah calls it the 50 gates of understanding. The 50 gates of understanding is literally seven levels of seven levels that you can travel into. This, this so, is the kind of untampered with the... Yeah. the, the um the blunt format this is what it is do you know what i mean yeah. none of this this bs around it or whatever no this is this is what it is this is what it is and um i mean some people can choose to you know keep on studying or whatever again philosophy is like a coat over the truth the mm. truth is underneath philosophy is on top of it when you go past the philosophy you're going to find something that is quite different but in some respects similar to what you were studying before. All of a sudden, when you if you study the Kabbalah and you study the 50 gates of understanding and they talk about the um, um, God's different names and and this is the, the splendor of the Lord and this level is this of the Lord and that of the Lord, all of that is just a cryptic, it's a cryptic way of telling you levels one to six, you're gonna find plants. I prefer to hear level one to six is plants <laughs> and when yeah. I travel, if I want to go visit the plants, which I have, I go to levels one to six. But that's just me. No, no. I mean, um, off off on a, a sort of tangent um, with this sort of information. Do you have you ever like? Has anyone ever thought, Dave? Dave's crazy. Oh, please. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> My family thought I was crazy from the age of five. <laughs> they have you, I don't think they've ever like, <laughs> <laughs> It's um some for some people who, you know, could could be listening to this and watching this, they may be like think the well, they may be thinking this guy's just crazy. Like it's all it's all in his head. Well, I will I would say this. For those who think that I'm crazy, I would say um, that's okay. Uh, keep your thought and follow your path. I am following my path. Mm. I know what's real. Just like nobody has to tell me that the sun is shining or that it's, it's wet or warm or dark. Nobody has to eat nor drink for me. Then I don't have to eat nor drink for anyone, nor does anyone has to have to actually uh, eat of what it is I'm saying here, partake of this particular loaf. They can continue to do what it is they're doing. I have no problem with that. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. 
No, I mean, it's... Um, it's cool. It's, it's a, <laughs> a nice way to look at it because a lot of people would... Um, the ego kind of takes over for some people and they're like, well, you need to go do your research and find out this and that because I'm not crazy. Whereas you're kind of saying, if that's what you think, that's what you think. I'm on my path, you're on yours, you know, peace be peace kind of thing. Well, look at what I said earlier. When I said to you that levels 23 to 26 is made up of what? Hmm. (laughs) Beliefs. Belief (laughs) territories. Now... I sit here talking to you, and everyone who's laughing that I'm crazy, I'm laughing at them because I know where they're going. Yeah. When I leave, I know where I'm going. I know where my house is. They can say, well, it's a dream or whatever. Fine. Not a problem. I'll give you that. But I guarantee you, you're not going to see me where you are. You can stay in the belief zone because that is, you know, I have my belief and I believe in God and I believe in this and I believe in that and I believe in that's fine. I got no problem with that. I just know, I know where I'm going. I know what's, as my father used to say, I know what's cooking in my pot. You got to know what's cooking in yours. Yeah, that's true. Um, So in your book, you talk about um, remote viewing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. can you give me like a brief overview of what this is and we can go into depth obviously there's there's no time there's no time here so take as long as you want but um it's something i'm not massively clued up on so all right remote view mm. okay re- remote viewing used to be called uh clairvoyance re- the term remote viewing comes from the efforts of a group of men and women who were a part of a Stanford research um, that was funded by the United States government and the CIA. They wanted to give the, the, the term, the term clairvoyance was to... Um, esoteric to a cult and they wanted to to create a, a scientific basis for the ability that people had that was called clairvoyance basically uh, clairvoyance is the ability to see places times what have you in the distance uh, to clairvoyant, to somebody who's clairvoyant, there's no space, there's no time. They can see something in the past, the present, or in the future. Remote viewing does the exact same thing. The two are exactly the same. Clairvoyance, if you say clairvoyance and I say remote viewing, we're talking about the same thing. The difference between the two is that those who developed remote viewing wanted to give it a hard scientific edge. They wanted to know what it is they know. So back then, um, a group of guys, and I'll call you the name of a few of them, a few of them that I've actually met, um, Joe McMonagall, who is actually Robert Monroe's uh, son-in-law, Ingo Swan, who you probably have heard of, he's a a psychic, Um, Skip Atwater, who was a a part, he was a, a member of the military intelligence way back when um, and uh, he was also a part of the group 
those are just some of the names that you may have heard of. If not, you can look you can look it up on YouTube. They have a lot of uh, tapes on remote viewing. And if you look up the name Joe McMonigle or Skip Atwater or even Ingo Swan, you're going to see them and uh, a whole lot of other people who were involved in these secret military uh, projects. Anyway, remote viewing, like I said, you're able to see things in the past, present, or, or the future. It doesn't make a difference. There's no time. Joe McMonagall, whom I met at the Monroe Institute, he came in one day and he, he demonstrated to us the, um, the ability to remote view. To remote view. And simply, the basis of it is that in consciousness, there are seven levels of <laughs> interesting things, seven levels of knowledge. So he gave us, he did a very practical, very simple experiment with us where he had a target and he had us go through each level of awareness level, we started level one, two, and three, then four, then five. Six. By the time you get to level seven, you would you would be able to tell him, or you'd be able to tell me exactly what it is you're you're, you're looking at, without ever seeing it or knowing. It. it could be something in the past, something in the present. It could be something in the future. It doesn't make a difference what it is. You could if it's, if you if the person were to the operator were to choose. A point back in 1785, a structure back in 1785. By the time you get to level seven, you'll be able to tell exactly what that structure was and where it was in 1785. You'd probably be, even be able to draw it. The best remote viewers um, are those who are able to. They're able to flow. And by floor, I, I guess I mean they're able to intuit, to to, in, to to know whether it's true pictures or whatever ability, ability whatever faculty um, is most appropriate at the time. But they're able to use that faculty to to either create a picture or they'll add sound to it if they can hear sounds or what have you, and they'll tell you what was there. So that is remote viewing. I don't know if I've um, answered what you may be looking at. There's a protocol for remote viewing. Um, I, in fact, I have a manual, I have two or three manuals actually, that will give you the protocol for remote viewing. And it will, if you practice it, it actually does work. There's a gentleman who is was not attached at all to any of this. He's just a, a guy that was interested in using remote viewing as a means of um, picking stocks. And to his credit, he made a hundred and uh, I think one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It was a, he was one hundred and fifty dollars in the black over a period of several months through using remote viewing as a way of picking socks. So it does have its it does have its practical it is practical and it does have its practical side. 
Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I may be wrong here uh, because there, I, I don't know what the term was used. It, it sounds similar. It may be remote viewing now. It comes to my mind. But they were, there was like an experiment done where they put, um, I've forgotten what they're called, things that read the electro, the, the responses to the brain, basically. So they'd put that on and then they'd put people in front of a TV and their brain and body would react to the next advert before the advert's even shown. Mm-hmm. And I think this was, I mean, I may be wrong, it may be the totally the wrong thing, but this was them saying that uh, they, they labelled it remote viewing, I believe, where the body was reacting before um, the image the, the event happened the image came through etc so kind of maybe touching on what you were saying the these people who are more well skilled in it have obviously learned to use it in a way of maybe through physical image and visualization in their heads etc do, do you get if that makes sense i think that's what they've done uh, years back with tv like the advert was come uh the next scene would be a scene of fear in their body and their brain would have this like chemical reaction of fear in there before it's even happened and it was kind of saying almost like the conscious self the conscious being mm-hmm. inside of you can see what's going to happen next yeah um, yeah i guess that's kind of a uh, another way to view it or a way they've tried to study it i'm, I'm not sure but that was uh, the research i'd done on it whether it's completely off or not no, no, well, I, I don't think that you're completely off. Uh, like I said, the term clairvoyance, clairvoyance means the ability to see something at a distant point mm. or, or, or to perceive at a distant point. Um, and that could be in the future or, or even in the past. So if they're sitting and they're looking at advertisements. This is this was the um, the originators of this test. What they tried to do basically is measure the capacity of humans to remote view. Let's put it that way. Hmm. The test was a, a way to, to prove that it actually does occur and that it's occurring on a level that can be measured. Um, what McMonagall and uh, Atwater and they were doing we're not just measuring um, measuring the the truth for the, the the truth of it or the reality of it, but they were trying to discover the usefulness of it, because if from the point of view of the United States military and the Soviets were doing the exact same thing on the other side of the on the other side of the world, they also had their researchers working in remote viewing as well. The whole point of it was to develop people who were skilled at remote viewing and able to spy on the Soviet Union. Not just spy on them, but be able to tell what they were going to do even before they knew what they were going to do. Do you know what that reminds me of? What? The, fi- the film called uh, Minority Report. Yeah. With 
Tom Cruise and um, the police Absolutely. use the, the gals or whatever who can see the event and they arrest you before it's actually happened. Yeah, they call them precogs or precognition, seeing something yeah. before it happens. Yeah, exactly. It, that, that's exactly it. Um, the, the, the military wanted to turn this into a skill that could be used against the Soviets. The Soviets wanted to turn it into a skill that could be used against the British one. I mean, that was the whole point of them funding it. There's a um, there's actually a movie that's based on the work <laughs> that was done by the U.S. military um, in remote viewing. It's called um, something goats. <laughs> I don't remember the name. It's something goats. Maybe see with if George. You can find it. George Clooney. We can give the listeners something to go watch so they can gain Absolutely. some more knowledge on the events. I got it. It's It was called Staring at Goats. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. It's staring at Because they literally, they're part of one of the, the research protocols that they had was to stare at a goat and make its heart stop. <laughs> they actually did this. Wow. This is they actually they actually did this. When you look at the movie, if you look at the movie, you'll see that it says it's based on um this is based on truth. The truth of it is the program that um Joe McMonagle, very secret program out of Stanford University, that Joe McMonagle, Skip Atwater, Ingo Swan and the others were involved in, they were involved in remote viewing precognition or clairvoyance, seeing into the, you know, seeing into the, the, the future, seeing into the past, seeing, uh, perceiving at a distance. And these were some of the things that they did. They tried everything. Sounds pretty cool. I wouldn't, <laughs> mind. I wouldn't mind doing that and using it to my benefit. I could think of some good, good uses. Um, so another chapter you mentioned in your book is, um, the metaphysical theory of life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that response was was interesting. Give <laughs> 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 um, give talk to me about that. Well, human beings, from the time you come into this world, you're learning, and if you can say anything about a human being, it is that whether they like it or not, we learn. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, you're going to learn. Your brain, once it switches on, it's gathering information day and night, 24 hours a day until the day you die. Now, what is all this learning about? It has a point and it has a purpose. The purpose of the point is very, very simple. We each are developing a worldview a way of looking at the world. And this worldview controls every facet of our existence. It tells you when you attack, it tells you whether to attack in response. It tells you who to love, when to love, where to love, how to love. It tells you everything about your existence. It tells you about it because it's a worldview. Most of us are developing this worldview without knowing that we're doing it without knowing that we have a picture in our heads that 
covers every category that we have been exposed to in life and some that we haven't been exposed to. When you talk about uh, God, the devil, there's a draw with the name God on it. There's a draw with the name devil on it. And it has all the information. This information is cross-referenced, cross-checked, cross-filed, cross-everything. <laughs> <laughs> and when you put it all together, you have this network of information in everyone's heads about what's real, what's not real, and how to respond to that. That's our worldview. The worldview that most people have is, has been given to them by their parents, the church, teachers, you name it. It's not something that they've chosen. Mm. And because they haven't chosen it, um, they may feel that it's all well and good, it's fine. But um, I have learned that in this world, all of these people that I've mentioned have a tendency to lie. Parents lie when they tell you that uh, Santa Claus is real and they, they, they make a big thing about Santa Claus is going to come and he's going to fill his stockings with toys. Um, the church lies. When the church lies, everything it does. <laughs> the schools lie. They don't tell you about the history of... They don't tell you the truth about anything. The schools don't tell you the truth about anything. They tell you what is the reigning truth at the time. So if you don't do research for yourself, if you don't take out some of those um, traditional views, traditional bricks that these people have put into your worldview, then you actually are walking around with a concept, of, a, a worldview, a concept of life that has been given to you, and it may or may not be correct. You don't know if it's correct. You don't know if it's correct because you did not come up with all of the bricks that you put in the edifice, nor have you checked each one of those bricks to verify that they were true to begin with. Yeah, I mean, the, the school system is crazy, I think. I mean, the, like, the story with how the pyramids were made, for example. They just give you this one story. That's what you're meant to believe. Yeah. That's it. Don't question it. And then as Don't. you get older, That's it. you start looking into it. And then you tell other people about it. And if they haven't got this open-minded view, they think you're a bit crazy and you should be wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah. Um... Absolutely, absolutely. But the thing about it is, excuse me, the thing about uh, the word crazy uh, or abnormal or anything like that is that usually in, in this life, what you have is a system where if life is on a scale of one to a hundred, the majority of people, the schools, parents, um, churches, different organizations, try to place 
the majority of people, that's the whole point of categorizing people, you're black, you're white, uh, you, you know, you're this, you're that, all the labels that they add, the reason that they add the labels is to categorize people, put you in a little drawer, a little box, so you're totally boxed and drawn up. And the whole point of that is to get people, the majority of people, statistically falling within a certain range. Let's say that range is, um, let's say it's 30 to, 30 to 70. Everything between 30 to 70 would be normal. Everything on the, uh, on the left side and the right side of that would be abnormal. So I'm in the I'm in the area 70 outside out there 71 yeah. 72 <laughs> I'm out there <laughs> I have no problem being out there I love it out there um, and you have other people who are out there as well now the thing is that the people that are in the mass they feel comfortable not being challenged. When you challenge one, it's like you you challenge the entire edifice. You challenge the entire system to break it down. What we're doing right here, what I'm talking about right here, is going to challenge the views of some people. Mm. When people get challenged, they react, and their react is usually one of defense. They defend themselves, and then they go on the offense because they feel as though you are threatening them, their world view. It's not the view that they have. What I'm saying is not a part of their worldview. Therefore, it's a threat to them. Now, the reason they feel threatened is because everybody knows instinctively that each one of us comes into this universe, comes into this life, and we don't know jack shit. Nobody knows anything. We don't know. We we don't know. We can't. We can't prove Jack. Everything we found here, we can say, okay, the table exists and the chair exists and the schools and all. That's fine. We can all agree on that. Everything outside of that, nobody can agree. We don't know anything. We don't, and we won't agree to disagree either. One person has to prove that they're right. So you have these organizations, you have these churches, you have the Catholics. The Catholics are not right, they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't have burned people, and they shouldn't have done that. The Catholics are right, therefore you now you have the Protestants. The Protestants are protesting against the Catholics. Across the ocean to the Middle East, you have the Muslims. You have the, the they can agree within themselves. You have the Sunnis, you have the Shiites. You have the Jews on one side, and they got their um, whole dogma and everything in the Torah. And, and all over the world, all you see is one belief, another belief. Now, what are all these people doing? What they're doing is each one of them is creating a worldview. The Muslim has a worldview. His world, In her worldview, God is called Allah. God is called Allah, nothing else. If you try to call God anything else other than Allah, you've got a problem with a Muslim. <laughs> if you're Jewish, again, this is your worldview. 
If you try to even say the word God, you've got a problem. <laughs> and so you have all of these worldviews, specific worldviews, that have a problem with everybody else because you don't see things the way they do. No, and I mean, every, <coughs> sorry, ahead, Mark, finish your point. You sure? And 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 the 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 point of the matter, the point of all of that, simply is that all of these people, they're not all of these different views are nothing but world views. That's all they are. They're world views. Many of them tell you, okay, do this, do this. They give you a prescription, right? Mm -hmm. All these rituals. You got to get up and pray at 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, Allah Akbar. Fine. Um, the Jews have their own rituals. The Catholics have their confirmation, the communion, the confirmation. And on and on and on. Everybody has this. Everybody gives you these set of rituals. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. You're going to find God. You're going to be spiritual. You're going to find heaven. You're going to get some divergence and what have you. All of them have these prescriptions and tell you what's going to come. Now, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be very, very interesting if, if all of them that giving you all these prescriptions about what is going to come, when you die, you stand there with your um, appendages in your hand because none of that is coming, because none of that is real? <laughs> I mean, um, kind of... Um... I'll run through the points that I was going to say is the whole crazy thing is um, I think someone written down if, if you are maybe wrong if you google the word of insanity it's just not thinking you're classed as insane or crazy if you don't think like the norm yeah it's as simple it. as that so if the masses fall like, if the masses fall as you and me did or as you did then you wouldn't be crazy anymore or I wouldn't be categorised as crazy um, so yeah, that was that point. Um, the whole sharing views and stuff, uh, massively for me on social media was if I had an opinion, um, that the majority of people didn't disagree, uh, didn't agree with, I was getting trolled hard people going yep. in, like forcing their opinions on me. And for a while I would... My ego was was saying, oh, I need to prove that they're wrong and try and educate them. And, and maybe I did on a couple, but now I'm at the stage where I either don't bother to share my opinion. I just talk to like-minded people, my social circles, and we get along. Mm -hmm. Or I put the information out there. And if someone wants to have conflict, I just ignore it and... And just think, do you know what? Like we'll agree to disagree, and that's it. You know, get on with your life. I'm going to get on with mine. So, absolutely, mm -hmm. it's 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 a hard skill to learn because sometimes I really do want to just ram the information down their throat. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting there, you know. When you, especially when you know you're right, do you know what I mean? There's all this information. It's like I know I'm right. Stop being a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they can't accept it because their their ego or whatever you want to call it is is just telling them no, even if they've been given the facts. Um, and then my next point was relatable. 
Oh yeah, to to the religious thing. As someone I know is not religious at all, has mm. a friend that is extremely religious, and um, his the guy that's not religious turned round to the religious guy and said, "What if at the end you die, and it was all bullshit, mm. and you've not drunk alcohol, you've not done all these things, and mm-hmm. you've lived your life in this way?" Because, um, you know, <laughs> because because of this book, basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, the religious guy said to him, yeah, but what if it is all true? Then, you know, potentially you're going to go to hell. And he, he was just like, well, if God's forgiven, I'll just say sorry and he'll let me in. <laughs> it's just <laughs> as simple as that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I just thought it was quite, quite an interesting... Uh, or quite a funny way to look at it in the sense of when you were saying, you know, what if at the end they're all wrong? Uh, someone I know obviously spouted that story to their religious friend and he was like, yeah, but what if you're wrong? And he's like, oh, if God's forgiven, it'll be fine. Well, I I agree with what you say. Um, I have fun with it. Um, initially, I felt just like you. Um, there's a tendency... There is something, no, forget about it, there's a tendency. There is something within us as we're gathering information to create this worldview that many of us don't know we have. And that something resists anyone trying to change or manipulate that worldview. Excuse me. We say, um, I'm right and you're wrong. But when you think of it, in truth of the fact, I'm right and you're wrong, the mere fact that you are engaging in I am, the, I am right and you're wrong means that you're engaging in a, a, a type of duality. In our world, let me explain. In our world, there is nothing here that does not have another side. Uh, There's no light without dark, no black without white, no up without down, no right without left, no man without woman. Everything has an opposite. And human beings, the way we're constructed, our brains, once we think something, or experience something, or learn something, we have a tendency to identify with the thing that we've thought, experienced, or learned, identify to the point where we accept it as being us. In other words, you immediately take it and put it into, this is me, myself. A Catholic, when somebody says, I am a Catholic, What they're saying is they have taken their identity and meshed it with the Catholic Church. When you say the Catholic Church murdered thousands of people whom they considered witches, tortured them mercilessly, destroyed their bodies with the claim that I'm going to destroy your body, but save your soul because we, the Catholics, have the truth and therefore 
we are working for God. God gives us this power to murder you. When somebody says, I'm a Catholic, all of that, all of that they buy into, all of it, immediately. Mm -hmm. So from the time you say, if you were to meet the Catholic and say, but wait, 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 the Pope, the Pope is the Antichrist. Do you know the vicarious Philly Dei in Latin, Latin words have uh, numbers attached to them, like V is 5, L is 50, M is 1,000, that kind of thing. And vicarious um, vicarious Philly Dei, which is Vic of the Son of God, adds up to 666. The Pope is the beast. Oh, no, 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 no. That was never a title of the Pope. And yes, it was. Even John Paul II said that vicarious vicarious Philidei is a um, term, vicar of the Son of God, not vicar of the Son of Christ. Not vicarious Philly Christi, but vicarious Philidei is a term that was used by some popes at certain times within the Catholic um, hierarchy. He agreed. He said, yes, that is what I mentioned. This is my book as well. But there are some Catholics that will, are adamant. They want to erase that because when you tell them vicarious Philip Dei adds up to 666, which is a fact, and that proves he's a beast. No, oh, no, 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 no. He can never be the beast because it's like you calling them the beast as well. You see? Mm. You, whatever you identify with, whenever you, and people identify with just about everything, when you identify, when you take something into yourself, you take knowledge into yourself or what have you, if you, if you never go past that, if you never go to a metaphysical way of thinking of life and you stick with the old physical way of thinking of life, everything you take into yourself, you identify with. So don't be talking about my mother. That's going to start a fight. If you say, hey, you mother, that's going to start a fight. Why? 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 You don't know my mother. Why? And so, so what? All right. So you talk about the Catholic Church. Oh, the Catholic. That, that, that starts a fight. Oh, don't talk about religion in here. You can't speak about religion. You're talking about my religion. You're attacking me. You get it? Yeah, no, no. That makes perfect sense. You're attacking. You are, you are attacking their identity because their identity is now bound up in a belief. So people who say, oh, yeah, yeah, Dave, you're crazy. Well, those are the ones I would, if I would just smile and move on. Because when somebody looks at me and says, Dave, you're crazy, and blah, 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 they, it means automatically they want to prove that what I'm saying is wrong because automatically whatever it is I'm saying is a threat to whatever, wherever they're standing. It's a threat to their identity. My very existence is a threat to somebody because of the fact that I see life the way I do. Yeah. There so, are any no mm -hmm. no, go on, go on, carry on. There, there are any number of there are any number of um um examples in history of people murdering people simply because they are different. What is this different? Why people why you kill somebody because the color of their skin is different from yours. We're human beings. We bleed the same way. What makes you think that you are uh, more intelligent, smarter, wiser?
than somebody because their eyes are slanted. What makes what give what what is it in going on inside of your head? Nine times out of ten, it's an inferiority complex of the people that feel that way. They're fearful. Life is a fearful thing. We've been put on this planet, given no manual as to how to live. And with all the talk of God and this and that and the other, and I'm not I'm not I'm not an atheist per se, but I can see the irony in the way that people respond and the way that people act in life. There are some atheists that are better Christians than most Christians. <laughs> and that is that is hilarious. There are some people that do not believe in God that are more compassionate in every single way than somebody that does. What does that tell you? Something is wrong. What is wrong? You have to sit back, look at this thing clearly, and realize you got to move past beliefs and go find out for yourself. That's something Bob Monroe always, he always said to us. Here are the tools, go find out for yourself. I'm going to say the same thing. Don't take my word for it. Yes, Dave, you're an asshole. Yes, it's in your mind. I say, fine. I'm going in my hole. You're going in. Well, actually, I'm going to be cremated. Uh, you're going in yours. <laughs> I don't have to and prove that I'm right to you. I don't have to prove. I don't have to prove I'm right to you. Hmm. I don't. It makes uh, it's, it's the whole kind of uh, t the the conflict that you get from attacking someone else's world or belief system. So it's a massive way of seeing it, and it's it's an instant defense. Um, yeah. That you know it's human nature to almost say it's, it's a human defense to want to defend yourself when someone's attacking you it's it's kind of a natural instinct and you have to unlearn that way of reacting um going off on a tangent slightly um what are your views on uh alistair crowley if you know much about him yes i do alistair crowley mm -hmm. go ahead cause, yeah because you were saying about um the the Pope being six six six, and I know Alistair Crowley said that I think he's in one beast. of his books, yeah, he's the beast seven seven seven, which yeah. kind of correlates with uh, seven times seven times seven equals forty nine. I think unless I'm doing the math wrong. <laughs> well, I think, some, uh, yeah, sorry. well, sometimes seven is forty nine times yeah, seven. seven. <laughs> is... I need to get my maths right. <laughs> But you get um, what I mean, he's like higher yeah. than the beast of 666. That's what yeah. I was meaning, sorry. Well, Crowley was a nut. My opinion, Crowley was a nut. Crowley, Crowley, Alistair Crowley, um, like many of the... the uh, Alistair Crowley was a ceremonial magician. Ceremonial magic is the way of the West. Mm. The, the, the occultists... Many of them who belong to, you know, all of these um, secret orders, uh, the Illuminati, the OTO, um, Golden Dawn, and on and on and on and on and on. Ceremonial magic is based in, um, it's based in a theory 
And the theory is that there is a war. There are two camps. One camp is angelic. The other one is demonic. All ceremonial magic has, a, you see that they draw a circle. Um, they use one of the books, whatever book they're reading, whether it's the sacred magic of Abramelin the mage or some of the golden dawn rituals or what have you. But they'll draw a circle um, uh, and they will call uh, quote-unquote elemental spirits, elemental beings, the beings of fire and air, the satyrs, the sliffs, and what have you. That's ceremonial magic. Alistair Crowley is one was a, a, a great ceremonial magician in, in the Western tradition. He fit into everything that you ever are going to read about the, the, the guy's in the West, who were magicians, guys like um, Cornel Cornelius Agrippa, um, McGregor Mathers, Arthur Edward Waite, um, all of them. These guys that were intellectuals believed that there is a, a, a higher being, that man has a purpose, and they followed the alchemical path, the ceremonial path, and what have you. The West, basically, that's the Western path. And all of these guys, they wrote books. You can find their books. You go into any um, bookstore and go into the New Age section, what have you, and you'll find these names will pop out at you from the shelves. Mathers and, and the rest of them. Um, Crowley and the rest of them. Now, it's all intellectual. For these guys, it's all intellectual. It's all intellect. The one thing that none of them really fully understood <laughs> is that there is no war in heaven. There is no dark versus light. And that the Easterners are actually correct when they talk about yin and yang. In other words, angels, there are no angels and demons per se. You have one, one quote-unquote group of beings that can flip either way. There'll be a demon if you're demonic, and there'll be an angel if you're angelic. They will meld, mold themselves to whatever part, whatever is inside of your head. Mm. Crowley, Crowley never understood that. The, the Westerners of the Western uh, magical tradition and occult tradition never understood. They never quite understood that the universe, it's one force. This force is good. This one force has a dark and a light side, just like energy and matter. They're two sides of the same thing. E equals MC squared is energy equal to mass times the square the speed of light. Energy can be converted into matter and vice versa. They're not two different things. It's one thing in two different uh, qualities, as it were, of the one thing. Dark and light are not separate. Darkness is the absence of light. White and black. You understand what I'm saying? 
They never embraced that. Crowley never embraced that. And Crowley's intellect fashioned much of what he was into. He In other words, there's, there's no basis of it. There's no yeah. basis for it. He was just creating his own... His own world. world. His yeah. own... Yeah, his own whatever. Based now, he, if he, Views and beliefs. <laughs> yeah, based on his views and beliefs. Now, if you actually go and practice, if you do practice ceremonial magic, you practice and you tell me what comes out of what of Crowley's belief. You find any book where Crowley talks about his... Um, the ethers and what have you and what have you. And if you could find um, uh, any book that explains his magical way, practice it and tell me what you come up with. And I guarantee you what you're going to come up with, with is a hodgepodge if you're not damn crazy by the time you're done. But again, the West has always been intellectual, very intellectually based. So all of the manuals and manuscripts and all of that that you will find, it's all ritualistic, ritual magic, raising Lucifer, and which the Illuminati, real Illuminati, not the, not what people um, think. think. <laughs> yeah, but the, the real, I mean, yeah, the, the, the financiers in the world, many of them who are real Ill Illuminati. Um, the financiers in the world, the ones who control the central banks and 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 the Rothschild and what have you, um, who really believe that Baphomet is the source of their power, and that Isis is the goddess to whom you should pray in order to do certain things and gain certain um, abilities and what have you. Um, these guys. Get off on that. That's that's their thing. It's about material power, material wealth, and and you have masonry, the upper echelons, which is the thirty third degree Scottish Scottish rite of masonry, which is very entrenched in the United States. By the way, um, the United States was built on it. Uh, several members of the founding of the the several founding members of the U.S. Constitution were basins, and in fact, that is the reason that they were able to overcome their problems and um, build this fledgling uh, company, uh, country, form this young country called the United States. I think uh, Benjamin Franklin was a master of a large. George Washington, I think, was a master of a large. Mm. They were all brothers. They were masons. Yeah, I mean, um, you've been quite open when we've spoken and said that you've been involved in, um, in yeah, free, Freemasonry <laughs> and, and you still are a Mason, yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot of conspiracy around it because unless you were involved, you don't really know what's going on. But um, people say, you know, that they do these rituals and sacrifices and they're all with it for wealth and these are just things I've I've read um, but then on the other scale obviously you've got the good side where apparently they do loads of charity work and they are like a group of brothers so uh, for me it's just mm. working out maybe what truths are and you know what's what 
Well, I'll, I'll make it simply. I'll make it very, very simply. I'll put it very simply for you. The majority of Masons worldwide are not Illuminati members, nor are they child sacrifices and pedophiles. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that one up. <laughs> yes. Um, within Masonry, there are people, there, there are people within Masonry, just like anything else, there are people within Masonry who have connections with each other over and above Masonry. When you start talking about the Illuminati, you will never go into a Masonic temple and hear them talk about the Illuminati during one of their um, uh, meetings on a, on a Saturday or on a Sunday. You will never go in and, and sit down and hear them talk about um, destabilizing a country. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who have been Masons, some have, some haven't, and who also belong to various other, that's where they started off, various other secret organizations, as it were. For instance, Skull and Bones. Yeah. And form these connections, powerful connections. These people are the people that these conspiracy theories really are about. They are the movers and the shapers, the ones that start World War II, the ones that probably will start World War III. Mm. They are the movers and the shakers on the earth. When a central bank um, decides to... <laughs> when a central bank decides, the, the, the heads of a central bank or what have you, get together and they say, well, you know what? We need to do X, Y, Z. And they get together and they... Um, uh, speak to the G8. You know, G8, they always have this conference. Yeah. And the U.S. comes and the members of the G8 come and they sit down and they talk about world finance. And they're talking about world finance and you have all these central banks run by various people all over the world. And somehow they connect with these bankers. Now, all of these conspiracy theories, are, they say, well, it's masonry. Somebody may be a mason and be a, a, a true Illuminati member. Somebody may be a mason and not be an Illuminati member and just be in the banking system. It's just a cog in the wheel. The thing is, the people who destabilize countries get rid of governments these guys, when they're having meetings, nobody knows about it. It's not a meeting held every Sunday. You, It's not a Masonic temple they're going to go and meet in. Five, six, seven, eight, or nine of them will meet somewhere in Brussels or in, in Spain somewhere or some island or whatever. All these power movers and shakers that nobody's paying any attention to. And they sit down and decide... Okay, well, you know what? A war would be nice. We need a war because X, Y, Z, we're going to do so-and-so to the pound, or we're going to do so-and-so to the American dollar, or we're going to do so-and-so to the Japanese yen. Nobody knows. That's the truth. Nobody knows. What goes on, what these guys are doing behind the scenes, people could talk 
They get, nobody knows. If you knew, you'd be dead. I guarantee you, they would kill you. Yeah. You wouldn't last very long. They um, they say that they have um, it's called like the Bilderberg Group or something. Yeah, the Bilderberg Group. These Just, financiers. Yeah, that meet. Financiers. Um, and for years they were meeting, and the newspapers yeah. were never documenting it. They nope. were never like documenting who all these world finances are and what they're talking about, which seemed really weird because once a year they'd meet and do it um conspiracy theorists caught wind of what was going on and they started to uh protest about it (laughs) yeah snoop about um and they they were making themselves quite well heard and now um the only change they have is, is the newspapers now publish the smallest little column like tiny saying this year, the Bilderberg group meeting met at this place, and da 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 da. But it's never like enough information to work out anything. So it all smells a bit fishy to me, you know. These rich yeah. motherfuckers meeting up, <laughs> talking some shit, you know. Yeah. The, the 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 thing about conspiracy theorists is that sometimes when people um, when people conspiracies usually. Not usually, but sometimes conspiracies are actually based in fact. Hmm. Not all conspiracies are groundless and baseless. The thing thing about it, conspiracies, are that to get factual information that will remove it from the realm of a conspiracy would probably cost you your life. And I am not joking when I say that it would probably cost you your life. To have proof, hard evidence, if there is any, something that you could show the world, somebody's signature on it, Mm. it would probably cost you your life. You would not see the light of day. Because, look, if if, if these guys can get together and destabilize countries kill heads of state. Uh, exactly who are you and I? Yeah. <laughs> peas in a pot, you know, getting crushed. Yeah, it's, it's um, certainly when you think about it, you're just dirt to them, basically. Yeah, you Yeah, you know. Easily removed. They're going to be like, Easily. hey, you seen that new show on the internet, YouTube, the JB podcast? Like, <laughs> That guy's got yep. a bit of a following. He knows too much. We're going to have to shut him up. <laughs> yeah. And then you you accidentally meet your demise yeah. before your time. <laughs> Did you see that episode with Dave? We're going to have to shut him up. <laughs> I'm telling you. When you, do, when you discover too much, um, you usually end up being pushed out of a window. Which is actually what happened to me. You know, remember I was telling you about this life mm. that um, where Joan and I were married, my current wife and I were married. Her name was Clara Florentine. I forgot, I forgot what my name was. Um, what is it, James, I think? Florent, uh, doctor, bone specialist, premier bone specialist. And um, I had a clinic inside of the Rothschild um, building on 7th Avenue in Manhattan, interestingly enough. 
Well, guess how I died? They say I committed suicide. I jumped out of a seven-story building my, of my own hospital. What are the chances of that shit? Um, something smells fishy, you know? Yeah, because guess what? The work that I was doing, the work I was doing with um, um, on bones, the research and all the rest of it, eventually became the um, foundation of um, that type of research in the United States. So trust me, I didn't jump out of any God. And, and my wife was committed for 16 years. Do you so, ever, um, sorry, do you ever um, think to yourself, I, I remember in the previous podcast you were saying how the Greys, uh, when you was part of that, you was a mechanic. Mm-hmm. No, an engineer. Engineer, sorry, mm. and um, you know, you said about yourself uh, being doing doing service in the army, and you fixed the machines. Mm-hmm. And then you've just told me about that story um, where you was working with bones, mm-hmm. fixing, and um, you told me about the pistol packing pastor. preacher. Preacher, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I got there. Um, how I think you shot two people who were going to rape going to rape yeah yeah going to rape John actually in that life <laughs> shit she was a squad sure. <laughs> she was <laughs> she was a um, she was the she was the daughter of um, Indian chief I don't know if she was Blackfoot Crow or, or what I, I tend to think it, it was Cheyenne but I could be wrong Cheyenne or Sue but I could be wrong so have you noticed in your life you've got that um symmetrical sort of pattern going through through your uh, previous lives where you're always a healer? Uh, yes, I have. In one life that I recall as a healer in ancient, ancient Egypt, how I discovered, how I discovered this life is um, several years ago, I did a class on Pal Talk and uh, the group was composed of about 12 to 15 people. And we decided that we we're going to meet up in the Great Pyramid of Cheops. And we did. We did meet up. Meet up. Uh, there were nine or ten people actually present. One person got sidetracked. And he didn't meet up with us. He actually came to my home, stand outside of my window, looking in at me, talking to the group on the microphone with in front of my computer. And he he had never seen me before, but he gave a complete description of who, of uh, how I looked, as well as what was on my chair. I had a towel in the back of my chair, which he uh described perfectly as lo- uh, as well as what he was standing on which outside my window <clears throat> there's a roof of another building right outside the window window and he was standing on top of that looking in and he also saw a bird there's a white egret 
on my windowsill. And he described that perfectly as well. Another person saw me as uh, ancient healer in, in that particular form before I went into the pyramid to meet the others. And one of the people that was with us had some type of problem with her. And I said to the other person that uh, this person needed a water infusion, whatever that was, and started performing healing on this particular person with my hands. The woman that uh, was looking on described me, and what she described was quite interesting because she said that my face looked like a combination of types. It wasn't one person. My face looked like it was a combination of, um, like I was part Egyptian, part Indian, part, you name it. Um, it was not just one person, which was quite interesting. So just to, to be brief about that, that part, that healing part, that always being involved in education and, and uh, with people learning um, is always a part of me. And yes, it is a, it, it, it does run as a very as symmetry down from my life. So you're quite correct. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think maybe for everyone in the grand scheme that we all have this uh, pattern. So for me, I love doing sport and working in the fitness industry and uh, helping deliver results to get people more healthy. As well mm -hmm. as I enjoy talking to people and, and spreading knowledge to, to the best of my knowledge to people. So maybe there's like a fundamental skill there like yours is healing and mine I don't know what it would be but maybe for my life it's, it's been the same and that it's been symmetrical all day through you know, I think it's quite an interesting theory to think about as maybe each one of us from day one has always had this one trait that's specific to us all the way through that's correct I know you you, you're, you are quite correct each, each soul has a purpose, a quality, as it were. That quality develops from life to life. Some people, their soul quality is music. And you will find them attracted to, attached to music in many of their lives. You'll see it as a, um, a pattern where they, in this life you're a singer, in that life you're a composer, in this life you're a desert, and it always has, you always find them working with rhythms and, and with, with patterns and frequencies and what have you, all because their thing is music. Well, like I said, you're quite correct. Um, each one of us has something uh, a quality, a trait, if we allow our souls, our inner beings to manifest itself and not allow the, the physical part of us, what we learn physically about ourselves, to hamper us, we'll see what it is. Some people it's justice. Hmm. I mean, um, here's a wild theory. 
what if each personality, each soul has a trait and say there's, let's just use random numbers for fun, there's 10 souls with my trait, 10 souls with your specific trait, 10 souls with another trait, and so etc. They come together to make the well-oiled machine, which is the overall higher self, thing through and shoot off and cause critical mass. Maybe that's like we all offer some, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, <laughs> try if well, you, maybe you can expand on what I'm saying, but I kind of like we're all part of this machine, and I'm me and the people with this trait are one leg to the top, and next trait's another leg, etc. No, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I totally, um, I totally agree with what you're saying. I would put it this way each high self is a diamond. A diamond has many faces, many facets, right? When you look at it, it sparkles. But if you look very closely, you're going to see that each, um, everything, each, each, the light is actually being re refracted through one of those faces on the diamond. You and I are individually a face on the diamond. So if you're studying, if you're focusing on health, the, the connection of mind, body, and spirit, and how to keep that running to its optimum, and you do that from life to life, you can explore that from every angle, one life, two lives, three lives, 10 lives, 11 lives, however many it takes, but you can do a 360 degree coverage of that one task until you know it inside out, upside down. You know everything about it. If I'm studying healing, I can look at healing in every which way it's possible to heal. You can heal through speaking to counseling to pe with people. You can heal through um, being a doctor. You can heal simply by being, just, just being, just being yourself. You can heal with music. You can heal with touch. You can heal with just about anything. So again, exploring that all 360 degrees would mean exploring healing in every which way possible. Tell you the consummate healer. Once you explore each one of those topics, the diamond is, is going to sparkle. You have 360 degrees of knowledge about every possible every possible thing you can ima imagine within yourself. Now that's phenomenal. That is some serious power. Seeing as you're uh, a healer, what are your views on the sort of, I think they call it like chi healing. So you know those people that like rub someone's leg, mm -hmm. heal their leg or reduce people's tumours with sure I saw a video of some it's got to be Chinese some Chinese guys like holding his hand over someone's tumour and on the screen of the tumour you can see it <coughs> reducing and he's like channeling chi mm -hmm. or energy whatever you want to call it through what are your views on, on that do you think it's like possible moving energy is not only possible everybody does it you do it, I do it, everybody do, does it. Um, 
acupuncture, just for an example, is also, it also has to do with energy and the movement of energy through the physical form. So you have all these nodes, and these nodes, when they get uh, clogged or bogged down, um, they use these little needles and they stick it into, the, you know, they warm it and what have you. <coughs> Excuse me. And it allows the your chi, river of energy, to flow. Now, that is simply, a, chi is simply a life force. It is simply a life force. Chi is you. And all of these people that use the ancient um, Chinese uh, way of using qi to do specific things. I've seen, um, I've seen one guy use it to start a fire. Um, I've seen people use it to heal. Again, using qi is, is it possible? Absolutely. Do we do it? Absolutely. Do some people do it more than others? Absolutely. Do some people have it pouring out of them? Uh-huh. And do some people have it all blocked up? That's correct as well. Absolutely. There was a, a really, in, um, I think it was called like Stan Lee's uh, Superhumans. It's yes. a TV show. And there was a guy and he, he was some Chinese guy and he was pointing his fingers like a, a gun and there's these mm. buffaloes in this field and he was like I can make anim any animal fall asleep and this farmer was like alright come make these fall asleep like if one goes down the others get all defensive so mm. they protect that one that's asleep so yeah good luck with that anyways he goes there and he's waving his hand from left to right that's all he's doing and the guy's recording it and mm -hmm. one by one the buffaloes they, just start yeah, slamming down over. to the ground. Yep. They, they go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching that. this and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, are you it's sure? A, <laughs> yeah, it's a movement of energy. Where's the guy with the tranquilizer gun, man? I know he's shooting from somewhere. <laughs> but yeah. it's, a, it, it's possible. It's a movement of energy. It's the, the, the thing about this, um, the thing, you know what I would say? I would say all of that is, is great. It's fine. Um, for me, I wouldn't spend, I would not have spent my life trying to develop that ability or any ability like it for the simple fact that it's just one ability of many. So the guy who did that, he has it, it's developed, it's, you know, it's developed, and he uses it, and he uses it, and he can even demonstrate it, which is fine. But for me, um, all of that takes second place to what's, to the overall picture, what's, what's actually going on. Um, my thing is, it was more important and it is more important for me, uh, to be in connection with my high self, conscious connection with my high self, uh, to work with my high self 
at the end of this life, to to end this life, to end this 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 cycle of reincarnation at the end of this life, and to move on to something far better. And um, for me, that is far more important than developing a specific ability, if you understand what I'm saying, a specific ability. Because when I look back at, at all of the lives, I remember six, about 16 past lives, and I've been different people um, doing different things in all of those lives. And if you think about it, there's just so much to explore, so much to know. I mean, how many more lives would I spend developing my chi or any other talent, but learning how to, 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 learning how to see life through the patterns of music? I mean, it's infinite. From my perspective, my high self is already doing that because all of the millions of lives, hundreds of thousands of lives or what the case might be, that my high self is have, having and have had in the past, they've all been to see life from all of these different aspects um, and to bring that information back into self. So within me, I don't, have a, I don't feel a desire for any of that stuff. I just feel the desire for the source, for the the main course, the main meal. Mm. Um, this stuff, uh, you know, when you talk about the chi and the use, to me, it's 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 more that's more like dessert. Mm. And I've had enough dessert. Do you think um, <laughs> part of it's um, uh, sort of a a materialistic power that makes sense like focusing on what he's doing with the buffaloes it's like not for any personal gain but it's not really i mean useful it's, yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean it's 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 like kind of a show-off thing like this is what i mean by materialistic like hey guys come around crack a few beers open, watch what I can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, there'll be, all right. If you want to, I'll pass the information on to everyone that views this. If you want to learn how to bend spoons like Yuri Geller, <laughs> bend <laughs> spoons, make things travel across the room. All you have to do is to spend a few uh, nights during the week, every week, Focusing on the fact that there is a group of beings in the spiritual world that will actually heed your call and come to your assistance. The bending of matter, the shifting of matter, bending and transforming of matter, this is what they do. There's a specific group of beings that actually do this. Human beings do not um, interact directly with matter per se. They are an intermediary group, and they will bend, transform, translate, you name it, matter for you. You just have to get gain their cooperation, and to gain their cooperation, you call them. Call them by trying, by practicing, and make it, um, uh, be committed to it. And sooner or later, you're going to start bending spoons and making cattle fall down and all the rest of it. 
Now you can spend your entire lifetime bending spoons and making cattle fall down and transmitting torch from one person to the other. Is that going to get you any wiser? Uh, I think not. True. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the dunce of the universe. I have just touched the tip of the iceberg, and I want more. <laughs> so, yeah, I I want more. I, in my opinion, I have done nothing but discover. Um, what I wanted, to, well, I've discovered more than I um, set out to discover for sure. But I just want more. The things that I have seen, the things that I know are possible, the things that I have been shown, and I see my potential, I see my um, possibilities, and I see a, a, a life, an existence where... Um, there are no boundaries where I'm not going to hold myself back and nothing is going to hold me back. I want that. I want abundance. I want light. I want joy. I want peace. I want all of the good things. And I'm tired of the negativity. I'm tired of the lack. I'm tired of the loss. I'm tired of the, the other side of the coin. So I'm going for it. And I will not be deterred. That's just how I look at it. I'm not letting, I, I won't even let myself, I won't even let me get in my own way. <laughs> if that makes any sense to you. No, no, for sure. Um, so it's 3.46 a.m. around. Oh, man. Time flies when you're having fun. Sure, man, for sure. <laughs> um, are we okay to wrap this up? Are you all right with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll go again, uh, you know, sometime <laughs> very soon. Uh, I've got to dissect the information, but massively, uh, thank, massively, massive thank you for coming on again, sharing the powerful knowledge you've learned, and um, we'll speak soon. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I really hope you got something out of it. And uh, anyone who does happen to see this... Um, podcast. I hope that you get something out of it as well. Like I said, um, the high selves, they move from level 36 to level 42. Uh, many people may not know what that is. That's important um, in my scheme of things. And uh, should we run into each other on the other side? Um, then you'll understand why and how and all the rest of it so thank you again gb a lot thank you cheers bro we'll be back on soon no doubt all right have a wonderful night and you man